Hello, welcome to the podcast of Grace Fellowship Church Shrewsbury. We meet every Sunday at 9 and 11 a.m. in Southern York County, Pennsylvania. You can join our morning live stream on Facebook or YouTube. Just search for GFC Shrewsbury. You can find more information about us at gfcshrewsbury.org. We are so excited to bring you this message today, and it is our hope that you will come to know and believe Jesus Christ more fully through it. Church, I am so grateful to be with you this morning by way of video, continuing our series in the book of John called Knowing Jesus. And I want to profess again to you that the whole objective of this time together in God's word is to know Jesus more intimately. It's not to know about him, It's not just to like know facts about him or things about him or even to memorize the word of God, but it's to know him by experience. You know, a lot of times we use the word believe and believe is a strong verb, but it's not the strongest verb. I would rather know Jesus than to believe in Jesus. So to that end, would you be kind enough to join me as I pray for our time together? Lord Jesus, we come before you now and acknowledge your sovereignty over our lives. We acknowledge, as Pastor Phil talked about last week, that Holy Spirit, you have a call on our lives and that you are drawing us powerfully to yourself. God, I pray now that you would speak through me to the hearts and minds of your people, that we together as one would know you more intimately and that we would know each other more intimately, that we would be unified that you would be glorified right here on earth as it is in heaven. We pray this in the precious name of Jesus Christ and all God's people said, amen. Well, I am excited to be with you this morning, but I have to confess to you, this week I wasn't all that excited about being with you by way of video. It's been a hard week for me. Anybody else say amen to that? Well, okay, I can't hear you, but... but Have you had a hard week ever? I'm I'm sure you have. I had a really hard week this week. Tracy and I had four major appliances all go up at the same time. Yes, you can gasp about that. Our TV blew up, which is not that big of a loss, but then our dishwasher went, our built-in microwave went, and now our our clothes washer is also up. No power surges, nothing like that. It's just the work of the evil one, but we had that. And then we had some relational fray, not amongst ourselves this week, but with other people. And it was hard. This week was so hard. There was a couple of times I literally was in tears. And there was one day where I told Pastors Mark and Pastors Ben, I don't, I don't know if I should be teaching this week. And guess what? Even just last night, as I was looking at our new TV and I was paging through films to kind of see how the resolution looked on the TV, I came upon a movie called Risen. And I watched just the last bit of that, you know, where Yeshua is being taken up to the heavens in the ascension. And and the disciples are calling out, Yeshua, Yeshua. They're calling his name, the name of Jesus. And I felt this prompting in my spirit to cry out to him, Yeshua, Yeshua, with them. Guess what happened? (laughs) His Holy Spirit washed over me in wave after wave in a way that I have not experienced in quite some time. And as I sat in his presence 
and just was blessed and overwhelmed by his company, he said to me, Jeff, I am renewing my calling on your life. Praise you, Lord Jesus. We thank you for your faithfulness today, God. So the story that I just told you represents an example. It's a real example. It's real for me in real time. A real example of what we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about confessional leadership, and we're going to talk about it from our verses, John 15, 1 through 17. I'm calling this message, The Art of Confessional Leadership. Now, some of you go, well, why are you talking to us? We're not all leaders. Oh, yes, you are. <laughs> yes, you are. You are all leaders. You are all ministers of reconciliation. Every single one of us who is in Christ is an ambassador for Jesus. And let me help you understand what leadership is. It's simply influence. All of us have been given a metron. In the Greek, that means our area of spiritual influence. If you're a mom, you have spiritual influence in your family. If you're a dad, you have spiritual influence in your family. If you work in an office, you have spiritual influence in that office. If you're a teacher, you have spiritual influence in your classroom. Leadership is nothing more than influence. And today we're going to talk about how you leverage that influence in such a way that God uses your confessed weaknesses to bring glory to his name, that we might testify to the power of God in our lives. So let's begin by turning to the book of John, chapter 15, verses 1 through 7. Now these verses are defined as the vine and the branches. Jesus uses another analogy here to help us understand our abiding with him, our relationship with him. And I'm going to start in verse 1 and read through this scripture. John 15, verses 1 through 17. Jesus says, I am the vine, the true vine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. Verse 5. I am the vine. You are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Listen. But apart from me, you can do nothing. Underline that, circle that, highlight that. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. But if you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourself to be my disciples. Now listen, verse 9. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. Praise you, God, that you long for us to have joy in you. Now listen carefully. 
My command is this. Love each other. As I have loved you, greater love has no one than this to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. Verse 15. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. For everything that I have learned from my father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit. Fruit that will last. And so that whatever you ask in the name of the father, will, the father will give you. This is my command. Once again, Jesus emphasizes, love each other. Lord Jesus, we praise you for the gift of your word. We thank you now that you will guide us according to Holy Spirit in such a way that we understand on a much deeper level what it means to commune with you and to allow your profession of truth to become our confession of faith. We pray this all in your precious name. Amen. So I want to begin today by talking about this one line that Jesus says, I am the vine and you are the branches. If you remain in me, you will bear much fruit. But apart from me, you cannot do anything. Now, what does that mean? Does that mean we can't tie our shoes apart from Jesus Christ? Well, to some extent, it does mean that because he is the creator of all things. And he is the one who blesses us with every breath. So whether people believe in Jesus or not, whether they know him or not, he is the one who is sustaining every life on the planet. But let's be honest, there are millions of people all across the whole planet who don't know Jesus. Yet they tie their shoes every morning. They get up and go to work every morning. They do a lot of stuff. So what does Jesus mean when he says, apart from me, you can do nothing? This is what he's trying to say. You cannot do anything that has eternal value for my kingdom apart from me. We cannot bear fruit for the kingdom of God apart from Jesus Christ. You see, within every one of us, we long for our lives to be significant, to make a difference here on planet Earth. And Jesus is trying to say, stay rooted in me and in my love. And if you stay rooted in me and in my love and in my word, guess what? That root is going to produce fruit for the kingdom of God. Let's just stop there for a second. One of the things you need to know in your life is that you are always bearing some kind of fruit. Now that fruit might be rotten fruit. It might be poisonous fruit, or it might be beautiful fruit and ripe fruit for the kingdom of God. By the way, have you ever eaten a peach? Oh my gosh, an amazing peach that just runs down your arm when you're biting into it. Anybody hungry right now? <laughs> but see, that's beautiful fruit. Ever been around a piece of rotten fruit? I don't think I've ever been about a piece of poisonous fruit. But the point Jesus is making is behind every fruit is a root. You can chase it down to its roots. So if you're here today and your life is not bearing fruit for the kingdom of God, but bearing other kinds of fruit that aren't so appealing, Jesus wants to take your hand and go to the root of that fruit. See, he wants you to stay rooted in his love in such a way that love comes to you and then love moves through you. Loved people love people. Forgiven people Forgive people. 
By this, all men will know that we are his disciples in that we like memorize a bunch of scripture and carry around a big Bible. That's not what the scripture says. In that we act judgmental and kind of browbeat people who don't believe the things that we believe. That's not what the scripture says. Jesus says this, that by this, all men will know that you are my disciples in that you love one another. Listen to me, Grace Fellowship Church. If we don't have love for one another, we have nothing. We have no witness to bear. We have no testimony to give. If we do not know love, the love of God, if we are not rooted in his love and allowing that love to come to us and move through us, we need to check ourselves. And we need to run back to the fountain of life. Jesus himself. But see, I want you to understand something, that so many of us in the church of Jesus Christ, we know that we're broken, we know that we're messed up, and what we do is we kind of put on a facade. We think that somehow knowing Jesus means like acting like we have it together. And you know what? (laughs) I think God hates that. You know why I think God hates that? It's because that's what the Pharisees and the scribes did. You see, he said, inside you're full of dead man's bones, but on the outside you're like whitewashed tombs. He calls them a brood of vipers, you hypocrites. Now, a lot of people will say, oh, the church is filled with hypocrites. And I'm like, well, no, it's not actually filled with hypocrites. There's there's room for a whole lot more. Come on in. If you want to join us, there's a whole lot more room for more hypocrites. Because I want to tell you, I am a hypocrite. But Jesus... He is my strength. He is my, he's not my crutch. He's my iron lung. I can't breathe apart from him. And see, if you understand this, then you will allow his profession of truth to become your confession of faith. He says, apart from me, you can do nothing. And when we embrace this, because Jesus is the truth, the way, and the life, he doesn't just have truth, he is the truth. When we embrace this truth, we become radically free in him. We cry out to him, Yeshua, Yeshua, apart from you, I can't do anything. I need you. You are my iron lung. I need you for every breath, for every move that I make. Before my feet hit the floor in the morning, God, have your way in me. Holy Spirit, fill me to overflowing that I might do your will and bear fruit that lasts forever. This is the beginning of what I call confessional leadership. We're going to talk about that today. You see, Jesus himself had a dual identity. We probably all know this. Our theology hopefully is intact here, but Jesus was fully God and fully man. And sometimes we emphasize his divinity too much and we forget that he was a a person just like you and me. And then sometimes we emphasize his humanity too much and we forget him that he was fully divine, God in the flesh. Now, while none of us is God in the flesh, if we're in Christ Jesus, we have God living in us and we are a temple of the Holy Spirit. So I'm going to talk today about a theology of relationships. And when we become Christians, we do not lose our humanity. Rather, we gain a whole new dimension of life. We have our identity in Christ and we have our identity as a human. 
Now, often as Christians, we fail to kind of be honest about our weaknesses because we think that somehow we have to kind of maintain this image to the world around us. And I got to tell you, this is destructive for a number of reasons. If we kind of maintain a facade and even convince ourselves that there's nothing wrong <laughs> with us, here's the first stark truth denies the gospel. See, Jesus says, apart from me, you can do nothing. But then we, if we go around acting like a Nike commercial and just tell ourselves, just do it, that denies the gospel. The scripture says, you see, just at the right time, while we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Say us this after me. I am powerless to change my own life. Please say that. I am powerless to change my own life. Now, if you take that a step farther, you can say, I'm powerless to change the lives around me, of people around me. You can say, I'm just powerless over so many things, God. When you say that, you're standing at a place of surrender, which is where God wants you to be. Listen to 1 John 1, 5 through 10. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves. That's called denial. And the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Listen, if we claim we have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar. And his word has no place in our lives. Wow. Just wow. Those times when I live in the denial about my own sin, when I don't see the reality of my own soul, and I don't profess it, and I act like I have it together, and I act like somehow my strength is enough, I'm not only denying the gospel, I'm making God out to be a liar. Lord Jesus Christ, have mercy on us. And lead us in your righteousness, in your right way, Lord, in your path. See, God longs for us to be people who profess our weaknesses so that God's strength may be apparent in us. So it denies the gospel. Secondly, it cuts us off from others. Listen to this verse. This is from 1 John 2. This is the message we have heard from him and declare to you. God is light and in him there is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with him, yet we walk in darkness, we lie and do not live by the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, then we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, purifies us from all sin. What does light do? Light is a revealer and light is a healer. You understand that light heals and light reveals. So in this the revelation of Christ in us shows up all kinds of stuff to us. It shows us how much God loves us. It shows us how beautiful he is. It shows us, yes, how beautiful we are and how we are created in his image. But guess what? Light shows the dirt. It shows up the dirt. Look at that dude that created the, the light bulb, Thomas Edison. Am I right? Jess, Thomas Edison created the light bulb. 
And I'm sure you heard Tom this story before, but supposedly he tried like a million ways to create that thing, and he finally got it to work. <laughs> I guess his wife was somewhere close by, and he invited her in, and he said, what do you think? And she said, boy, is it dirty in here. <laughs> the one thing about incant or light you know, artificial light is it shows up the dirt. Candlelight, if you ever want to, like, if you're in a rush and have company and you haven't had time to, like, dust or clean up the house, just burn candles. It makes it look like a really, really beautiful in your house and nobody sees the dirt. But if you turn on the bright light, guess what? You will see the dirt. And I've got to be honest with you. Jesus Christ wants us to see the dirt. He wants us to see the dirt in ourselves. Now, look. I got to be honest with you, this is not easy. Frankly, most of us want to know beautiful things about God. We want to see how much he loves us. We want to see how beautiful we are in him. And those are very good things. But frankly, most of us don't want to see the dirt. The scripture says the light has come into the world and men did not like the light, but they hated the light. Why? Because they were fearful that their deeds would be exposed. But the scripture says those who love Jesus... They, they want to be seen. They, they're, they're not afraid of the light because they know that whatever has been done has been done in the clear sight of the Lord. Do you know that Jesus fully knows you? And Jesus fully loves you? And Jesus has fully forgiven you, washed away all of your sins? As far as the east is from the west, that's how far God has separated you from your transgressions. You have a whole new identity in him. You are deeply loved, fully pleasing, totally forgiven, accepted and complete in Christ Jesus. That is who you are. Now walk in his light. You see, when we deny the reality of our brokenness and we claim to be without sin and we live in this blind place where we don't acknowledge what's broken inside of us, we deny the gospel. It cuts us off from others and it cuts us off from help. Praise be to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles so that we then can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort that we ourselves have received from God. This is the way it works. There's a pattern. You have to understand, we do suffer. Anybody's ever told you that Christianity is going to wipe suffering out of your life? Don't listen to them. Jesus suffered greatly. All the apostles suffered greatly. All those in the scripture who loved God suffered greatly. Listen to me. Pain is inevitable. Misery is optional. And how miserable you become will be determined in large part how you handle your pain. And if you really want to be really miserable, keep all your pain and suffering stuffed down and don't share it with anybody. That will cause you to be extremely miserable in life. But God has a different way for us. You see, when we suffer and we share that suffering with God and we cry out to him, Yeshua, Yeshua, and then we, we share that pain with others in the body of Christ, then God brings comfort to us often through others and through the power of his Holy Spirit. He comforts our soul. He is the great comforter, the God of all compassion. So that when we get that comfort, when others suffer, now we get to share God's comfort with them and hope with them. Listen, 
everything that you have suffered in your life, every hurt, every wound, every pain, every wrong decision you have made is a bullet point on your spiritual resume. My precious wife, God bless her. We've been married almost 30 years now. I think that's right. Anyway, almost 30 years. And I still remember, I think it was after our first or second child, we, we were blessed to be pregnant again. And then Tracy had a miscarriage. So we have a child who's in heaven. Kind of hard to think about that because, like, if that child were here, um, Zachary, Michaela, and Noah would have another brother or sister. I'm sure Kay wished she was another sister because, you know, she was the only girl. But I still remember what my wife said when she was laying on the gurney to go back into the operating room so that they could take the um, dead baby out of her womb. She looked at me and she had tears running down her face. And she said, well, honey, here's another thing for our spiritual resume. And what she meant was this, Jeff, by the grace of God, now we can minister to people who have lost a baby. That's kingdom stuff. That's holy power stuff. Yes, we grieve, but not like those who have no hope. Listen to me. Do not waste your pain. Do not waste your wounds. Use them for the glory of God. Allow God to minister to you through his word, through his spirit and through his people so that he can comfort you. And then you can share that comfort with God. See, to communicate the reality of God, we must share from both our humanness, our brokenness, our suffering and our new redeemed identity in Christ. But here's the problem. Sometimes we only share from this cognitive idea level. Or we never talk from either of these identities, really, from experience. Oh, yes, of course, the scripture says that blah, 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 and the treatise of blah, 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 blah. And we talk about these ideas, but we never talk about how Jesus has changed us. We never talk about what's really going on on the inside. Here's another problem. We share only our positive experiences, which come from our identity in Christ. You ever been around somebody like that? You know, they, they just had a horrible hit in their life or they just experienced some deep, deep pain. And they're like, oh, praise the Lord. You know, look, I'm not saying that that's not real for some people. What I am saying is if they only share from the positive experiences in Christ, they are missing an opportunity to share their humanness with people. Can I tell you something? People don't relate to that. Tracy and I, for years and years, we went to marriage conferences because we've worked with a lot of married couples because, frankly, it's only by the grace of God that we haven't divorced, more or less killed each other. <laughs> but we, we, uh, we went to a lot of marriage conferences. And you know what? This, we'd go to some of those and there'd be a couple up on the stage sharing for a whole day and they acted like all of it was together. They never talked about fighting. They never talked about any frustration or pain or irritation. They never said they wanted to kill each other. <laughs> and we're sitting there going, well, I can't relate to that. I can't relate to that at all. Why? Because they're not, they're not talking to my humanness. They're not talking to my struggle. But man, when we get around couples who could talk about the pain, then we can relate. 
So sometimes we only share the positive experiences. Other people only share the problems from their own human identity. And let me tell you, that is not a party at all. If you've been around people who share only from their experience as humans and nothing about divine nature and Jesus working in them, that is like a drag down party. It is like a shame. It's like a pity place. It's like a bunch of victims sitting around together. That is no fun at all. So God calls us to share both from our humanness and from our new identity in Christ. Shared weakness is called confession. When I confess to you that I've wrestled even this week terribly, that's called confession. And you know what that brings? It brings acceptance. It brings security. It brings safety. Now, one of the things that you need to know, what I'm talking about today is one of the very core principles of Grace Fellowship Church. By the grace of God, when Tracy and I planted this church along with a team of people 14 years ago, we knew foundationally that confession would be at the heart of Grace Fellowship Church. Why? Because it was at the heart of what Jesus had done in our lives. And can I tell you, so many people have said this to me. Jeff, when I came to Grace Fellowship Church, I knew I was home. Because I felt safer than I'd felt anywhere else in my entire life. Praise the Lord. You know why that happens? It's because Pastor Ben... Pastor Mark, Andrew, Leah, Jesse, other people, all these have caught what it means to know the heart of the gospel is applied to their life and they speak from this place of reality as humans. But we don't stop there. We don't just confess, but we also share testimony. Testimony brings hope. Why? Because that means I share with you that I was in the dumps this week, but I also share with you the Holy Spirit washed over me last night and renewed my sense of calling. That is a witness to the glory of God. As Christians, we should realize that we have a dual identity. Our fellowship should allow for an expression and development of both of these areas. So we need to experience and, yes, speak our inadequacy as humans. We need to experience and, yes, speak our identity as Christ's person in whom Jesus is living and is working. And if you don't do both of these things, you are missing opportunities for God to be glorified in your life and for you to be changed. Now listen, we, we have this at the end of John 15, where Jesus says, look, I want you to love each other the way that I've loved you. He says that in John 15, 12. And then in 15, 15, he says, look, I no longer call you servants. He's going to talk about a way that he loves the disciples. Because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends for everything I learned from the Father, I have made known to you. He's saying, disciples. I have opened up my heart to you and shared even the deep secrets of the kingdom with you. Jesus is saying, into me you see. That means intimacy. You see, Jesus himself wept. Jesus himself felt hurt. Remember when he was with the disciples and he asked them to pray for him for a while when he went on? He came back and they were sleeping. And he said, oh, couldn't you even stay awake for an hour and pray with for me? He was hurt by that. Jesus shared the insides on the outside. With his disciples, he was intimate with them, and he calls us now to love each other the same way. So we need to let Jesus' example become our way of life. We need to be confessional leaders in the way that we walk so that we actually allow our lives to be open to those around us in appropriate ways. And I'm going to say that again, in appropriate ways. 
So I want to show you something called the Johari window. And I used to call this the Johari window, and I thought it was very elegant. I thought it was some sub-Saharan kind of thing or whatever. And it's actually a window that was, came up by two guys named Joe and Harry. So it's actually the Joe-Harry window. And we're going to talk about this representing the way that you function in the context of community. There's an open block, which means what I know about myself and what you know about me. For instance, you know about me just now that I had a really hard week and I thought about not even teaching this message. You knew that I was just really struggling this week. That's what you know about me and I know about me. You also know other things about me because I've told you in the past and I'm open about them. So when you're in relationships with people, it's what they know about you and what you know about yourself. But there's also this thing called the hidden. What I know about myself, but what you don't know about me. There's also another area called the blind. That's what I don't know about me, but what you know about me. So, for instance, you might be able to say, uh, boy, do you speak fast? And I, I don't even know that I'm speaking fast because it's blind to me. I remember years ago, I, when I first started teaching, I had uh, the lead pastor, Sandy Mason of Grace and Timonium, look at some of my videos from teachings. And um, he came to the evaluative session and he first one of the first things he did was encourage me which is a great thing but then he also said to me hey Jeff what's this and I said what do you mean he said what's this you did it like 150 times when you taught and I'm like I did see that's called the blind it's like the nose on your face you can't see it but other people can see it and then there's the unknown that's what neither of us know about me, but only God knows about me. I'm going to tell you how this window is very, very important and how it worked in my life to help me understand something. I walked into confessional communities for the first time over 36 years ago. It was 12-step fellowships. Now, it scared the daylights out of me because this is a group of people. This one was a particular group of men sitting around talking about sexual addiction, talking about pornography, talking about other things that just people don't really want to talk about. Because most of the time that stuff is in our hidden. And I'm sitting in this room and I'm scared spitless because I'm, I'm thinking about bringing stuff that's on the inside to the outside, if you understand what I mean. Now, God wanted to heal it and praise God he did because I started talking about it. But here's the thing that happened in that room. It was like probably week two. And one of the guys in the room said, hey, uh, guys, I just need you to know something. I lie when it's just as easy to tell the truth. Somebody asks me how much money I have in the bank, I tell them like three times more than I have because I never feel like I'm enough. So I always make up these lies. I hate that about me. And right away, I felt the Holy Spirit move in my life and brought conviction to me. You know what he did? He brought something out of my unknown into my hidden. Why? Because that confession was contagious. When that guy said, hey, I lie when it's just as easy to tell the truth and I never feel like enough, right away inside I went, oh my gosh, I am busted. I do that. I lie when it's just as easy to tell the truth. I never feel like I'm enough, so I make up stuff and I exaggerate stuff so that I will be seen as enough. I hate that about me. I didn't say anything at that meeting. I just kept coming back. About three weeks later, what had moved from my unknown into my hidden came out into the open. You see, I sat in that meeting that week, praise God. I still remember it like it was yesterday. And I said, hey, guys, you know when Joe, I'll just make up his name. Joe shared a few weeks ago that he lies when it's just as easy to tell the truth because he never feels like he's enough. 
I do the same thing. I hate that about me. Will you guys pray for me? Like, I don't want to do that anymore. Will you be my friend so that when I lie, I can confess it? Will you, will you help me? Like, I don't want to do that anymore. And angels in heaven were rejoicing. Why? Because when one sinner repents, that's not just when someone comes to Christ. That's when you and I acknowledge the depth of what's going on in the inside. And we point out the root and Jesus says, I know, I know, I know. I've been wanting for you to let me bring my light to that. And that day light came to what was in the darkness. You know what happened for me? When I confessed that, the power was taken away. I started walking in a whole new way of life. Why? Because I now had a community that knew the truth about me and didn't shame me and didn't condemn me. They bared to me the image of God. And guess what? I had friends now that I could walk with and I could make up a story and lie about and then I could just turn to them and say, you know what? I'm sorry. I just lied to you. I don't want to do that anymore. And they just look at me and they go, that's okay. Yeah, I don't want to do that either, Jeff. Thanks, thanks for sharing that with me. And it was like, you're kidding me. I can live like this. And what happened is my open block started getting more and more open. You see, this is the way kind of discipleship can be defined, at least in one way, is that what's in the darkness starts being brought to the light and light starts pushing it out by more and more coming out of the unknown block into the hidden block and going into the open block. By God using people to bring things that are in our blind into our hidden and into our open. And as we grow and grow and grow, we become more and more open. Now, let me tell you something. One day, this picture is what's going to be happening. For the scripture is very clear. There is nothing in the darkness that will not be revealed. Nothing hidden that one day won't be exposed. This is what first Paul says in 1 Corinthians 13, 12. Now we see but a poor reflection as in a mirror. Then we shall see face to face. Now and know, I know in part. Then I shall know, know fully even as I am fully known, listen to me, God knows you fully and he loves you fully. And here on planet Earth, you are only loved by others as much as you are known by others. Dear sister or dear brother, if you are feeling like you are not loved by the people around you, here's a couple choices. One, well, you may not have the right people around you. But two, you may not be known by them. And the more that you are known by them, the more that you can be loved by them. But yes, this is scary and hard work and it needs to be attended to by the Holy Spirit. Maybe you've had the experience I have. The experience that I have is that sometimes I, I find people deeply annoy me. I don't know if you're with me, but there are some people who just annoy the heck out of me. Some people at the church have. Okay, I can say that, right? And then, by the power of the Holy Spirit, rather than trying to avoid them, at time I sit down and I just say, can you tell me your story? And as I start to listen to their story, Holy Spirit does something inside of me. Why? Because now I'm knowing them. I'm seeing the root behind the fruit. And you know what? Magically, somehow, those people become not annoying anymore. Why? Because now I'm filled with compassion for them. Because now I know them, I can love them. Listen, sister, listen, brother. You can only be loved here on planet Earth by others around you as much as you are known. And if you're in a place where you don't have anybody in your life that you can be ruthlessly honest with about this true state of your soul, 
you are missing what Jesus Christ has for you. This is not new stuff. I'm going to go back to John Wesley, Wesley and Methodism. If you know who John Wesley is and you know Methodism at its roots was this beautiful, beautiful, not brutal, but beautiful revival of God's people, thousands, tens of thousands of people coming to Christ. John Wesley organized his people in small bands, small groups, and he gave them small group rules. And one of those rules was this, each one in turn would confess his sins or her sins in thought and deed since our last meeting. So it's your turn in the John Wesley small group. Now your turn means tell us all your sins, not only in deed, but in thought since our last meeting. <laughs> These people were serious about holiness. And they understood the grace of God. The grace of God is sufficient for you. God died so that you do not need to hide anymore. I've often thought of the gospel as one of those beautiful calls that I would hear as a child. We used to play this game named Manhunt, another game called Kick the Can. Maybe some of you played that. In Manhunt, you were running like crazy because people were hunting you down. And if they were able to tag you, you had to go back and you were in jail. But there was that call when the game was over. And it went like this. Holly, holly, oxen free. Ollie, ollie, oxen free. And you'd hear this ringing out, ollie, ollie, oxen free. I have no idea where that comes from. But what it meant was, it's safe now. You no longer need to hide. You can come home. You know what Jesus was crying on the cross? It's finished. Ollie, ollie, oxen free. You see, there's no reason for you to hide anymore. God knows it all. And you're loved and you are forgiven. And truth be told, people can't hurt you with that stuff anymore. That's why I can get up here and talk about my lust addiction. That's why I can get up here and talk about the struggles I've had. You know why? Because I've gotten to the place in my life where people can't hurt me with that anymore. Are you at that place? No. Well, then let me help you. Let me invite you into a process that we're going to be talking about here for, for a little while. But I want you to know this is one of the ways that God changed his lives. Conviction, confession, repentance, and renewal. We bring it down to these three words or three little phrases. Say them after me. I see. I say. I choose God's way. You see, I see, that's conviction. I say, that's confession. I choose God's way, that's repentance. And what comes after that is renewal. Now I have a new story that God is writing in my life. And then we commit ourselves to bearing testimony to his power and the work in the midst of our weaknesses. You know, our, our brother Paul, he had this thing called a thorn in the flesh. We don't know what that is, but it was called a messenger of Satan. And I think we left it nebulous, and God left it nebulous in the scripture, so we could just kind of put our thorn in there. But he pleaded three times for the Lord to remove this thing of weakness from him. And Jesus came to him and said, no. <laughs> I don't like when Jesus says that. But he said, Paul, my grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in your weakness. Paul says, therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may be apparent in me. Paul was a confessional leader. David told people that he not only committed adultery with Bathsheba, but that he killed her husband. How do we know that? He wrote it down. Why? 
to bear witness to God's strength in the midst of his weakness. How do we know the disciples denied Jesus Christ? Why they told people, why would they do that? So that God's strength could be apparent in the midst of their weaknesses. Do you know the scripture is filled with people who love God, who are confessional leaders, who show their weaknesses to the world around them so they can paint up and say, only by the glory and grace of my God am I even alive, more or less relatively sane. It's by his power, not mine. For apart from him, I can do nothing. Listen to me, when we bear witness and we bear testimony, we are coupling the power of God in us with the, with the actual shed blood of Jesus in Christ, a way that we are having absolute victory over the evil one. Listen to this from Revelation 12, 10 through 11. Then I heard a loud voice in heaven say, now have come the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Messiah. For the accuser of our brothers and sisters, that's the one who keeps you in hiding, the spirit of condemnation, he wants to push you down and accuse you and condemn you. That one who accuses them before God day and night, he has been hurled down. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. He has been thrown down. They triumphed over him by two things. The blood of the lamb. Oh my gosh, Jesus' blood sacrificed for us. And by the word of their testimony. Do you believe God? couple two things together to say that we triumph together over Satan. The first, of course, is the blood of Jesus Christ that washes us from all of our sin and forgives us of everything, past, present, and future, that we've ever done that's opposed to God's will. But the second thing is the power of our story. Brother or sister, let me encourage you to understand something. Your testimony is not a story that's 30 or 10 or 5 years old. That is part of it. But God wants to write a new story in you today. A story of God's power, the work in the midst of your weakness to bring victory and to help you overcome. So today's message is a message. There's a couple things you can do with this. You can take this and hopefully apply it to your life and go home. But I want to invite you to a calling that God has put on my life. You see, I, I wrote a little book years ago. It's never been published. It's called Confessional Leadership. And I'm looking to trust God to start something new at Grace Fellowship Church, a form of everyday discipleship where people can be together, not just virtually. By the way, I talked about this a few weeks back. It's not just virtual. It's in person too. It's however we see the Lord wanting us to do it, where there are groups of people who live confessional lives, bearing witness to their weakness and bearing witness to God's strength in their lives that he would be glorified right here on earth as it is in heaven. And let me tell you something. There is no way that a 12-step fellowship should be safer, a safer place for people to be honest than the church of Jesus Christ. There is no way that should be happening. So what I'm telling you now is God has a calling on my life and I want to ask you to prayerfully consider joining me. You don't have to commit to anything right now. All you have to do is express interest, and there's two ways to do that. You go to the kiosk in the lobby where I'm standing now. Chrissy Burns will be there, and I might even be there too. But we're going to just be signing up people to show interest in this. And as a result of that, then we'll email you or call you or text you or do whatever it is and let you know what the opportunities are for you to become trained in confessional leadership. Now, that training is offered in a number of different ways. One, there is a virtual offering, so that's for those who have a hard time getting here. There's on-site offerings. 
the, the total training is about eight to 10 hours. And there's also a way we can do that. I like it best over a series of three to four weeks in two hour segments, but we're also gonna do it in one solid day. So we'll offer it on a whole day Saturday. We're also gonna do it virtually in the evening. So we're gonna have a lot of different offerings. You don't have to commit to anything. All you need to do is express interest. Now, if you sense the Lord calling you then to join us, to join us in this beautiful expression for the kingdom of God, which, by the way, it's not confined to geography anymore. And I can tell you this. I'm going to ask you to commit to two hours a week. That's it. One hour to be in a confessional community and one hour to be in a leadership time. That's it. And that can be virtual as well. So I want you to pray about this. If you're at all interested, if this message stirred your heart in any way, visit Chrissy and me in the, in the lobby today. Let's pray together. Father, thank you so much for your faithfulness. Thank you so much that you've called us, as Paul was called, to boast all the more gladly about our weaknesses so that your power may rest on us and may be apparent on us, that we can point to you and say, if not for the grace of God. So Lord, we ask now in the name of Jesus Christ that you would form more and more communities who understand your grace enough to be honest and who know your power enough to bear witness to the change that you bring, that you might be glorified right here on earth as it is in heaven. We pray this all in the precious name of Jesus Christ and all God's people said together, amen. God bless you, Grace Fellowship Church. Hope to see you in the lobby. We hope you enjoyed this message. You can find more like it on our website under sermons. To keep up to date with our sermon series, hit the subscribe button in your podcast host and follow our social media pages. Just search for GFC Shrewsbury on the platform of your choice. If you're looking to connect with us further, then you can email us at connect at gfcshrewsbury.org. We will be back next week with another message. We hope to see you again soon.